Good morning, church. How are you? Everyone, good morning, church. How are you? Are we awake yet? This service is full because you needed a little more time, didn't you? I know, I know. Thank the Lord for two services, amen? You should be good and awake. Well, I've got some uh, guests on stage with me. Will you give them a round of applause, please? Yeah. Yeah. We're in our series called The Ten. And if you read ahead, you know exactly where we're at today. Uh, this past week, I was getting prepared for this message, and I thought, I, I need object lessons. I just need somebody else on the stage other than me. So I approached uh, Brittany first, you, because she said yes first. And then I was like, I'll come around and I'll talk to Michael. I was like, hey, I just need y'all up on the stage. You're going to sit on the couch. It's going to be great. He was like, I got a lot going on Sunday morning, but I'd be happy to help you, Luke. About five minutes later, I guess it dawned on him what we were talking about today. He said, dude, do you know what we're talking about? I said, yeah. So make them feel welcome, all right? Make them feel welcome. But church, I want you to go to Exodus chapter 20, verse 14. Exodus chapter 20, verse 14. It reads, you must not commit adultery. The seventh commandment is given. You must not commit adultery. Now, if you've realized kind of what we've done over the last few weeks, we've read the commandment, and then we've, we've took a new perspective a couple weeks ago, we said, you know, honor your parents, but respect authority. Last week was do not murder, and we said, God's saying respect life. This week, I want you to write this down. God is saying protect marriage. Protect marriage. So Michael and Brittany are up here to serve as an example for all the married couples in the room all the future marriages in the room. God is putting us on the couch and saying, protect your marriage. Protect your marriage. Our marriages are under attack. Do you believe that, church? Satan hates your marriage. Can't stand it. And he's coming after it. So this morning serves as a warning. Protect your marriage. Cherish your marriage. Fight for your marriage. God loves your marriage. How long have I been married? Six years. Give them a round of applause, would you? Appreciate y'all. Thank you for being so willing. I'm thankful for Michael and Brittany, and God is doing an incredible thing through them here at Holland Chapel. I'm so grateful for young couples who love the Lord and love their marriage. God is saying, protect marriage. But listen, church, I want you to understand something this morning. The heart behind everything that we're going to say today, it serves as a warning, okay? Serves as a warning. To protect your marriage, protect it. I understand that this is a touchy topic. I get it. I really do. So here's what I want to say to you. 
if you have committed this sin. Listen to me. God's grace can and will forgive you. Did you hear that? If you've been affected by this sin, God's grace can and will heal you. Did you hear that? If you are flirting with this sin, God's grace can protect you. Did you hear that? God is for you. He is for your marriage. And this morning, God is saying, protect marriage. So we have to talk about this topic this morning of adultery. What do I mean by that? In case you're unfamiliar with the term, it means to cheat on your spouse to step outside the union of marriage with another. That's what God is referring to with adultery. But for us to have a clear picture of what adultery is and why we are supposed to protect marriage, we have to clearly define marriage. We have to define marriage. Our culture is doing a phenomenal job of blurring the lines of what a marriage is. And if we are going to protect marriage properly, we have to define marriage properly. So I want you to write this down. What is marriage? Pose the question, and then right underneath it, I want you to write the answer. Marriage is a covenant. Marriage is a covenant. We're going to look at two passages of Scripture to set up that covenant relationship. Malachi 2, verse 14. It says, you cry out. Why doesn't the Lord accept my worship? I'll tell you why. Because the Lord witnessed the vows you and your wife made when you were young. But you have been unfaithful to her, though she remained your faithful partner, the wife of your marriage vows. There's a lot within this text. The main thing that I wanted you to grab from that was that marriage was entered with vows. Side note, guys, if you're wondering why your faith isn't all that you hoped it would be, how are you treating God's daughter? That's a whole other message, but we won't go there today. Mark chapter 10, 7 through 9. It says, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united into one. Since they are no longer two, But one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. Marriage is a covenant relationship between, listen to me, one man and one woman as divined by God. And he set that union apart. He sanctifies it, makes it holy. He blesses it. It's a covenant, not a contract. Our society would want us to believe that marriage is simply a contract. Contracts are easily broken. Covenants 
aren't. What do I mean by that? Years ago, when Ashley and I got married, we uh, tried to buy a house, didn't have luck, so we moved into an apartment. We signed a year contract on the apartment. About month eight, I was shooting my bow off the balcony. Had enough. True story, ask Ashley. Had enough of that. Had enough of it. Too country for that. I said, we got to get out of here. So we found a house. And I said, well, we, we, um, I feel like y'all want me to dwell on that story, but I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. About eight months into a year contract, went down to the office. I said, hey, we don't want to live here anymore. And they said, well, you signed a contract. If you pay us some money, we'll dissolve the contract. Boom, contract broken. That's what our society wants us to believe about our marriages. That it's simply a piece of paper. And if we apply enough money, we can get out of the contract. If that's what we believe about marriage, that it's simply a contract, then there's no wonder why we don't protect marriage. It doesn't mean anything. God is saying, your marriage is a covenant between each other and me, sealed by me. Elevate the covenant. God sets it apart and he blesses it. That is why when one person steps outside of that precious union, he detests it, can't stand it. I'll even say he hates it. Because that's something that he blesses and he ordains. So why does God, why does God hate adultery? I want you to write that question down. Why does God hate this sin so much? And then I want you to write the answer. Adultery destroys the covenant. Adultery destroys the covenant. Ephesians chapter 5, 31 through 33. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united into one. This is a great mystery. All the married people said, amen, my friend. Are you living in that mystery? I'm just thankful for it. All the guys are like, yeah, we're thankful for it. We wake up, we don't have a clue, but we're thankful for it. It's a mystery. But it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife must respect her husband. Marriage from its conception in Genesis was created as a blessing for all of humanity. And what I want you to understand about what the New Testament discusses about marriage is that marriage is a beautiful picture of what happens between Christ and the church. Years ago, when Ashley and I stood on the stage of Barrel Baptist Church in Bologna and we entered into that covenant, what we were saying is that our marriage will be a demonstration of God's faithfulness to the church. And I want to ask you this question, church, has Jesus always been faithful to the church? 
He always has. So when we step into that marriage covenant, by design, Scripture says that that union is a picture of Christ and the church. So God expects you to protect your marriage and remain faithful because it's a picture of that precious union. He's asking you to set it apart, to respect it, to cherish it, to protect it. So when we mess this up, it angers him. It angers God. So we need to look at the penalties for adultery. We're going to look at the Old Testament first. And you're going to be praising God that we live in new covenant times. Leviticus 20, verse 10. It says, if a man commits adultery with his neighbor's wife, both the man and the woman who have committed adultery must be put to death. Anybody thankful that we're in New Testament times? Amen. Woo! Had a preacher friend was asked during lots of marriage counseling, they would say, why doesn't the Old Testament deal with adultery, divorce, and remarriage? And he says, well, there's no repeat offenders. You know that's funny. You, you think about it for a second, and you know, that's funny. Sorry, it's heavy. We had to laugh. But God is very serious about marriage. He's very serious about this sin. Protect marriage. When a man or a woman steps into this sin, it's an assault on the first and second commandment. What you've said is, I don't care about God. I don't care what he says. And now my idol is sex. You've stepped outside of what God has ordained. And he hates it. What does the New Testament say, right? We're under the new covenant. What does the New Testament say about this sin? What are the penalties? Matthew chapter 19, verse 9. And I tell you this, whoever divorces his wife and marries someone else, commits adultery, unless his wife has been unfaithful. What we read in the New Testament, the teachings of Jesus, basically the only reason that divorce is permitted in the New Testament is when adultery takes place. So divorce can be the penalty for sin in the New Testament, can be the penalty for adultery in the New Testament. Not always, God is good, and he can restore, amen? But what Jesus is saying is that divorce can be the penalty for this sin. And listen to me, church. Divorce is only the beginning of all the repercussions due to this sin. It is devastating. This sin destroys it affects way more than just two people. Take a rock, throw it in a lake, the ripple doesn't stop. That's adultery. The Word of God is serious about this sin. Why? Because it is a beautiful picture of Christ and the church. And when adultery happens, it destroys 
the picture. Husband, wife, your purpose in marriage is to glorify God. And when that sin happens, it destroys the picture. It angers God. He is very serious about it. Now each week when we look at the law, when we look at the law of Moses, we always say we have to look at the law through the lenses of Jesus. What does Jesus say about the law? What does Jesus say about the seventh commandment? What's his teaching on it? What's his take on it? And much like every single week, he takes it to the next level. Dare I say that Jesus brings adultery into every single house. What do I mean by that? Matthew chapter 5, 27 through 30. It says, you have heard the commandment that says, you must not commit adultery. But I say, this is Jesus again, claiming authority over the law. Anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Jesus takes it to the next level. And many of you are going, I should have stayed at home today. Anybody feel the weight? If you're a guest this morning, thank you so much for being here. <laughs> we love you and we are, we are glad you're here. But we love the word of God. And we've got to proclaim the word of God. Jesus brings this into every home. The Old Testament says I've got to use my body physically to step into the sin. Jesus says, have you used your eyes? If you have, adultery. So I know you're feeling the weight this morning. I know you know how serious that it is. And I can't leave you on a bunch of bad news. We've got to talk about, well, if we're supposed to protect our marriages, like if God really wants us to value this covenant, how do we do that? How do we protect our marriages? I want you to write this question down. How do we fight against adultery and protect our marriages? How do we fight against it? How do we protect our marriages? This first one on the screen, it's going to read this way. It says, unmarrieds, sleeping around is practice for adultery. Did I get your attention? I could put the biblical word fornicate, but nobody knows what that means. You'd be like, is that an app? I don't know. I don't know. So we're going to make it like, you know, 2023. 20, sleeping around is practice for adultery. Why did I put unmarrieds in there? Statistically speaking, nine out of ten people will get married. So if you're not married now, chances are you're going to be married later. And you have to view yourself as potentially married. And if sexual immorality 
in any form has entered into your life in your singleness, what you are saying is I am devaluing the marriage covenant in my singleness. What makes you think you're going to value the marriage covenant when you're married? You've got to elevate what God elevates. And what God is saying is pursue righteousness, pursue holiness. The word of God is full of instruction for single people to stay away from sexual immorality. It's not for you. It's for the marriage relationship. So stay away from it. You're stepping into sin that's going to desensitize you once you are married. If you devalue it now, you will devalue it later. This goes for those that have been married and divorced, and you're single again, and you thought, what's the point? Already been down that road, might as go, uh, well go down it again. No! If you're single, pursue righteousness. Honor God with your life. And he will bless your marriage when you step in to that covenant. Unmarrieds, protect your future marriage right now by how you're living. That's what God requires out of you. So stop viewing yourself as single and start viewing yourself as unmarried. It'll elevate your dating relationship. It'll make you pursue righteousness in that relationship. The next thing that I want you to write down, I want you to write this down. Don't cheat on God. Don't cheat on God. Long before you cheat on your spouse, you're going to cheat on God. Show me someone who is walking hand in hand with the Father that steps into adultery. You won't find it. Are you pursuing God with everything that you have? Is He your first priority? Are you honoring the first and the second commandment in your life? Is He your only God? Are you worshiping only Him? Is he the center of your life, where your every day is founded? You're in love with his word. You're in love with what he says. You're in love with him. And everything that you do seeks to honor him. If he is your first priority, it is going to be very difficult for you to step into the sin. Long before you cheat on your spouse, you're going to cheat on God. So examine where you're at in your spiritual walk. Remember, this is a warning. This is a warning. We're here to protect marriages. And if your relationship with God is lacking, if your relationship with God is slipping, your marriage is in danger. Beware. Is God your priority? The next thing that we're going to discuss, how we can protect our marriages, is going to be addressed to men. Men, be careful what you look at. Our eyes get us into all kinds of trouble. Men, I'm talking to you. Young and old and everywhere in between. Be careful what you look at. Job 
chapter 31, verse 1. If you're a guy in this room, highlight it in your smartphone, find your Bible, highlight this one. I made a covenant with my eyes not to look with lust at a young woman. What we've already described is that Jesus elevates just viewing with lust, he says, is adultery. So, man, I want to pose this question. Have you ever made that covenant that Job is referring to? Have you ever begged God to remove the lust from your eyes? If you haven't, there's a chance that you enjoy lusting. Men, be careful what you look at. Your eyes were meant only for your wife. Be careful. And since we're here, we got to go there. Are you ready? You want to embrace the awkward? Men, pornography is adultery. I need, I need a man in the room to validate that. Men, pornography is adultery. Amen. This is a sin that is destroying generations. It is destroying marriages. Men, pornography will destroy your mind. It'll rot it out. Men, it'll destroy your heart. And it'll destroy your marriage. Be careful what you look at. Pornography is adultery. Satan is using that to kill us. To kill us. It's a sin that's running rampant. There's going to be some stats on the screen. 64%. Look at these. I think these are conservative. I got these from CovenantEyes.com. 64% of Christian men and 15% of Christian women say they watch porn at least once a month. Those are the ones that admitted it. It's killing us. Men, be careful. Be careful what you're looking at. Guard your eyes. Go to God in prayer and say, remove the lust. It's killing me from the inside out. There's going to be another stat on the screen. Now remember, if we're supposed to be protecting marriages, we're going to be protecting marriages in all phases. That means for those that aren't married yet. Moms and dads, this is for you with kids in your care. Look at this. 57% of teens search out porn at least monthly. Again, get a 16-year-old to admit something. That's the ones that admitted it. 51% of male students and 32% of female students first viewed porn before their teenage years. Moms and dads, this is happening. It's happening under your nose. Protect your children's future marriages. Boys get addicted to pornography long before they leave your house. Safeguard your kids. The first exposure to pornography among men is 12 years old. 
on average, 71% of teens hide online behavior from their parents. Moms and dads, there is a great chance, statistically speaking, that your kids are looking at things they should not on your watch. What are you doing to protect your children, not only from this horrific sin, but, but what are you doing to protect their future marriage? This last stat has to do with divorces. 56% of divorces involved one party having an obsessive interest in pornographic websites. So yes, it's coming after your marriage. Men, be careful what you look at. There's going to be a resource on the screen. It's covenanteyes.com. Now, at the end of service, we can't say if this is a problem that you have, please go to our Welcome Center and be embarrassed. But if this is where you're at, if you're struggling with this, remember this website, covenanteyes.com. They have lots of resources, lots of accountability to help you. Put on your devices, put people in place to help you overcome the sin. Also, moms and dads, they have resources for you to safeguard your children. Please take advantage of this sort of thing. Men, be careful what you look at. But we're not just going to talk to men this morning. The next one is for you ladies. It says, ladies, guard your heart. Now, I'm just generalizing. I'm going off statistics that men fall into adultery primarily based on their eyes. I know that's not the exception. And women, generally speaking, fall into adultery based on their heart. I know that's not... That's not the exception. But generally speaking, women, when things aren't all that kosher within the marriage, you feel like you're not being tended to, you're, you're going to find someone that will shepherd your heart, right? You want to find that emotional connection. And we live in this day and age where we have work wives and work husbands, don't we? We're flirting. Be careful. Women, don't let your heart start connecting emotionally with another man. An emotional affair is an affair. Did you hear that? Ladies, guard your heart. Be careful who you entrust it to. I get it. He might spend a little too much time in the deer woods or on the bass boat, right? But that's the man that God has for you. Be careful who you invest your heart and your emotions in. It can be very, very dangerous. Very dangerous. This last one. It says, live with a future at heart. Live with with a future at heart. What do I mean by this? One guy once said, take a look at your life and where you want it to be and live it backwards from there. Look at where you want your life to be and then take all the necessary steps 
to make sure that comes to pass. I want to make this real personal. I'm going to have my wife come up here. Y'all can like give her applause if you want. Like just don't trip. Don't trip. I'll make it real personal. I'm going to look at my life. And where I want it to be. And I'm going to make all the necessary steps, God willing, to make sure that happens. Because I want her in my life. Ashley. I want my kids in my life. I don't want to mess up my future. By one casting glance, one foolish mistake, one moment of weakness. I don't want to mess that up. So look at your life and where you want it to be. And understand this, that adultery can take those plans and destroy it. Destroy it. So yeah, I want to grow old. I want that recliner that's got like the shape of my body in it. You know what I'm talking about? And I want my girls and their, their husbands. <laughs> I get sick even saying that out loud. It's, uh, it's not going to go there. I want my grandbabies. I've got a life in my mind that I want more than anything. And I don't want to mess it up. This is a warning this morning. Protect your marriage. God is for your marriage. But at the very same time, Satan hates your marriage. Would you stand with me this morning? I want to pray for you. And here's what we're going to do, church. I've been asking more out of you, and I'm going to ask some more out of you today. In just a moment, they're going to start playing. We're going to start singing. But here's, I want you to listen to me. Here's what I want out of you. If you're a married couple in, in the room, I want you to come down front if you feel comfortable. And I want you to pray for your marriage. Husbands, I want you to lead. I want you to come down here and I want you to pray for your marriage. I want you to pray that God would protect it. If you're seasoned in life and, and, and your kids are now married, maybe even your grandkids are getting married, I want you to come down front. I want you to pray for their marriages. If you're in a dating relationship and you're here together, I want you to come down and pray for your future marriage. Our marriages are failing because we're not begging God to protect our marriages. Cry out to him, God, help us. 
protect this marriage because it is a picture of your love. Let me pray for you. God, we love you. Thank you for being so good. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the law. God, I pray that we would be a people that value and cherish marriage in a world that doesn't. Help us, God, to pursue you, to love our spouses, and to elevate marriage. Protect us, God. Thank you for the privilege it is to open your word and thank you for this church so willing to open it up and talk about difficult topics. Thank you, God. Thank you for Jesus. It's in and through him that we have ultimate hope. We're so thankful for him and the cross. We ask everything in his precious and holy name. Amen.